Hey guys, this is a recap of week three in our Stranger Things series uh, from Snapshot. And this week we were talking about love, so get ready. We started off by talking about how powerful love is. It's this crazy powerful force in our lives. And it can be a really good thing, or sometimes it can be taken and used as a thing that just consumes everything and can be destructive in places. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, called Hidden Brain, their most recent one, go check it out. I was kind of talking about loneliness and the epidemic of it and how it actually can be a marker of how sick you're going to be. Like it's just as bad for you to be lonely as it is for you to eat poorly and never exercise. Like the health outcomes are the same or even worse, which is crazy to think about. Because like we talked about last month, if everything is this outflowing of God wanting to create things to be in relationship just to experience the joy and beauty and deep love that comes in relationship, then this is a natural outflowing like this, this phenomenon that, that researchers have seen of the effect of loneliness. So before we started looking at the video clip, we read something from a, a book in the Old Testament that talks all about love, some really awkward ways. Uh, we're going to be studying it, I guess, in uh, our Thursday small group, because it's been asked, so come and watch me try and make it not awkward. It'll be fun. But it's Song of Songs, and it's chapter 8, verses 6 through 7 we read. It says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, like the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. Wow. Like, it's saying love is this incredibly powerful force. So, the uh, clip we looked at from Stranger Things is um, Mike kind of fumbling around trying to tell Elle that he loves her. I don't know how you look that up on YouTube. It's like... Mike tries to say he loves Elle, but can't. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, but he, he's going through and he's like, I'm sorry we broke up. And like, this is really stupid. And I feel bad. And I was trying to control you. And it wasn't fair. And blah, blah, blah. But he can't get himself to say the word love. Right? It's this really strong thing. But sometimes we're really scared of it, even though everybody kind of wants it. Right? So what do we do with this? Right? Why do people, we ask some of these questions in small group. So why do people chase love? Why is it something people desire to have? Like, ask that question. Uh, you know, people chase love because they want to feel needed and cared about. Uh, there's a whole lot of reasons. Think through what are your, your reasons for wanting to chase love. Like, why do you want to be in love and what does that look like? And then, what makes loving others difficult? It's hard to love people sometimes because of their actions, because sometimes people are being selfish, uh, right? Uh, sometimes people don't want to see things uh, the way other people see them, and it's really difficult to love people that way, right? So also we asked, how would you describe love? In my small group, we had a really good conversation about that, and we talked about how there's like this there's different kinds of love, right? There's like love where you like want to be in a relationship with someone. And, and you care about them in that way. But there's also love where there's just people who you like being around. And you want to be around them all the time. It doesn't mean that you're like attracted to them or there's anything going on like that. But 
you just love being in their presence and spending time with them, right? And that's something that we've lost as a culture. Like, we don't do that. This this thing we talked about, uh, that podcast I listened to on loneliness, talks about that. How a lot of people, especially especially men, younger boys in their teenage years, we get to this place where it's not okay to say, like, you love your friends. It's not okay to acknowledge that you care about someone that deeply and that you actually enjoy being around them because we have all these weird snafus and things that people say, oh, you can't do that way. You can't feel like that. That makes you not manly. And it's really difficult when those things happen. So, uh, you know, describing love as, you know, caring about someone wanting to be in like an intimate personal relationship with them where you just care about them and you want to put their needs above your own, right? But also... Having friends, people that you care about and love and love spending time with. But also, there should be this under, underlying baseline of love that you feel for every human being. Again, because of how God created us and why he created us and who he created us to be. And also, if you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, like you have this baseline of love where you want to see the best happen for people. And you want them to know Jesus. So um, the next question we asked was, if there was a recipe for love, what would the ingredients be? What would you say the ingredients would be for that? We read this famous Bible verse that normally you only hear when you go to weddings, right? But this isn't just for weddings. Like Paul didn't write this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 just to be read at weddings, right? He wrote this to a body of believers to tell them how they should be living and what their lives should look like if they're following Christ, right? So that's every day, right? So not only is it a great, it is a good thing to read at your wedding because if you do these things that are in this verse, like you will have a good marriage because you will be putting the other person first. Um, You'll be kind. You won't be proud. You won't be rude. You won't demand your own way. You're not going to be irritable. You're not going to keep records of wrongs. I've kind of already read the verse. We're going to read it anyway. But like, it's good advice, but it's not just for like that one day when you get married, like you have to do with the rest of your life, but also you need to apply it to every single person you see. That's what Jesus did. And that's how people will come to know you as a person of love. Um, You have to practice those things and build your muscles to do it. So let's go ahead and jump into the verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. It's one of the most beautiful poems ever written in human history, I feel. And it's, it's telling us how to love like Jesus loved. And that should be the mark of who we are. So we finished up our time with readings from 1 John chapter 4. Um, this is something that... Uh, It has just been hitting me all week. Um, Read it in the message version. Go ahead and read the whole chapter. But it's written by the disciple Apostle John. And his big thing was just telling people how much Jesus loved them and imploring them to love other people. So he'll use the word love a lot in these verses. Get ready. This is uh, 1 John chapter 4. This is verses 7 through 10. He says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God 
and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us, that he sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Right? That's a beautiful reminder of Jesus coming down and God's deep love for us. That he was willing to, to come down and pay the price for our sins. Like we were the ones who did the wrong in the relationship, but he still paid the price because he wanted to fix the damage that was done to our relationship. That's an amazing, amazing truth, an amazing promise. And then we finished it up with 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. Uh, it says, God is love, period. It's a good sentence. Uh, when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Now I just want to go back really quick and that idea of love becomes mature in us, right? If you do anything, like if you were proficient at anything, it's because you've taken time to do it. If you've practiced something, you're good at it, right? Like if you play a sport, if you play an instrument, if you dance, if you play a certain video game so much, like you know all the ins and outs and all the secret hidden things, like you know all of it, right? And like the regular person just like walking in who's casually trying to do these things doesn't understand all the things about that thing that you know, right? Because you've spent time on it, you've worked on it. The same thing goes with love, right? Like we're not just all built in. We have the built-in capacity to love, but it's a muscle that we need to exercise, right? It's not something that you're just perfect at and everybody else needs to work on. Like something you need to work on too, right? And how do we make love mature in us? Like the more we spend time in it, the more we spend time in Christ and understand how he loves us and how God wants us to love other people, then we get to understand the deep inner workings of love and how that looks, right? Like sometimes I tell you guys that I love you when we're uh, doing stuff um, on Sunday nights or somewhere and you guys kind of, some of you give me like a weird look and I understand because that's weird. It's not a word that we throw around a lot, but I mean it because I take time out of my day to pray for you guys right? And when I pray for you guys, I'm sacrificing something of myself to give time to think about you, but not just think about you, but lift you up to, to God and think about things that you're going through and that you might be dealing with. And that's a way that I care about you. And it, it cultivates a deeper love for you and a care for you because I, I've invested something in you, even if you don't know it or see it, right? That's a way that love can be mature. So you can start practicing by doing that. Start praying for people that you care about. Start praying for people that you don't care about because guess what? That's how God changes your heart about them. So if you spend time on them, you invest that time in them, you're going to love them. Anyway, mature in love. Work on it. <laughs> so it says our standing in the world is identical with Christ's, right? Because of what Jesus did, like we don't have to be scared or worried. Like this love that Jesus lavished on us, that God showed us through his son, um, should banish all fear, right? It literally says that in the next line. It says, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not one not yet fully formed in love. I'm going to read that again. 
well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. Right? This is an amazing verse to me, and it hit me really hard, right? We don't have to be scared in love. If you're looking for, like, a friendship or relationship, like, if you're scared about it, like, you're already not loving correctly, right? Like, that that relationship isn't that. Like, that's one of the most beautiful things. That's what I knew, like, I wanted to marry Janine, my wife, as soon as, like, we started dating. Like, we were dating for two weeks, uh, or three, maybe, and I went off to Mexico for three months, and... Uh, you know, I sent her letters, we talked and stuff, but there was like no fear in my heart that like she didn't want to be with me or that she like was going to like look for another relationship or something while we were gone. And it was just because I knew how strong her love for God was. And I know like there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens in relationships, right? Where you like, uh, people want to control what happens or, or do this, or they want to be right or like say what goes on and that's not like a problem that we encounter a lot because we both put our love in Christ and we're rooted and grounded in that. And then we love each other the way, try to love each other the way Christ loves us. And in doing that, like I have no fear about our relationship because uh, we're trying to be mature in love in Christ. And we get to practice that by trying to love each other as well. Right. So, um, Perfect love banishes fear. We don't have to be scared of God. He doesn't want to hurt us or destroy us or, or be mad at us or punish us. He, he just wants us to be in a relationship with him and continue to grow, right? So um, as, as we kind of just finish this up, right, how does the example of Jesus's love influence our view of love? This is the last question I'm going to leave you with. I have no idea how to answer it for you, but think about it strive, pray to God, try to be mature in love so that way people can see Christ um, in the way you treat them. Love you guys. Take care.